To whom much is given, much is required. Part of that requirement is sharing. Culture is the heartbeat within our lives, and it's at the core of so many things. While we live in a time when we are starving for wisdom, I welcome you to your wisdom retreat at Culture Raises Us. Man, it's good. And Val says great. hi, by the way. Val's like, oh, God, I love Al Serkip. Please say Please hi to him. Please send my love to Val and everyone <laughs> in yeah, the yeah. house, man. Yeah. So good to see you. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Uh, it's been way, way too long. And Part. before I share the amazing human being that you are, or you actually share with everyone, I'd love to start with the first question that we ask. And it's, when you hear culture, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Oh, I, I actually get, I got prepared and I wrote a few things. So I'm going to look up here at the thing. So I'm a, I'm really simple on culture. Like for me, and, and I've always related to it this way, the customs, arts, social institutions and achievements of a particular nation, people, or other social group. And I think that's yeah. really accurate. I think it's, a, you know, I went to the library for that one and uh, Google. <laughs> Wait, library, <laughs> library, library still exists? That still Books? exists? What? Okay. Uh, but, but when, when you ask specifically about like culture, I've always gone to that. And I've always thought of like the aspect of culture being um, Africa, Europe, Asia, cultures that have, been around lots of people for and and their arts and their things because i grew up in a really uh creative uh family and we were taught different cultures as we moved around the world as we grew up so we were exposed to african culture asian and culture it. uh european culture and i always looked at it that so i i really never looked at what i was doing as anything culturally relevant my job was you know coming up was making shoes for people to run around in, and that was like that was the job it wasn't like cool stuff for kids or like collectibles or anything like that that came way later so that's what culture means to me uh i stick by it i love it i love it and i love how you went like real encyclopedia moment like literally i, to, I mean you, yeah not as smart but, as i'm gonna get <laughs> yeah no no please but what's even more um, inspiring behind that is that you teed up the evolution of how, you know, you then began to work in and create and be a part of cultures that we're going to kind of talk about, which is awesome. And you've already started kind of giving everyone a sense, but I'd love now, who, who was Mark Smith, a.k.a. my Smitty? A little bit of your story. My story, pretty straight ahead. I've broken it down into four four. Four chapters. Is that written as well, or, or are we going? Look, you look... depends on if it depends on if you're tracking my eyes. Uh, <laughs> I was always drawing, and I was always in a creative family. Both my parents. My dad was a printmaker and an educator. My mom's a bookmaker and an educator, and together they have you know more degrees than I know. And uh, and they they've added to the world of culture in their own right. And so. I was always around that. So that's just my set, my, the, the foundational background of who I am. I came up drawing the, the best Christmas gifts were empty sketchbooks. They weren't coloring pads. They weren't Dang. anything referential. It was like, come out of your mind. Um, so I was always drawing and, uh, art, art life was, was really the foundation for our entire family. Um, and so the next three chapters are, uh, I, I ended up in high school and, you know, doing a lot of art and music. And so art and music really played a lot. And then as I got into college, graphics and packaging and advertising were my kind of entry into 
um, you know, started out actually as advertising, got a degree in advertising, went into the advertising world in the early mid eighties and, uh, ended up really not loving the stuff I was doing ads for. And I was like, I want to design the things I'm doing ads for. So that kind of like shifted me. Gotcha. And so then I went to art center and went, uh, in Pasadena and ended up getting educated in graphics and packaging and then into product design. So it was kind of always shifting, never happy in one place, but I kind of knew I didn't want to do advertising after a while. It's like, the, the, you know, any, but, but, but I've got a lot of background in that and, and that comes out in a lot of down the road. And, uh, and then the next one was when I got into like being professional, I was, I started in the apparel world and I was doing apparel at a uh, surf company at Maui and Sons. And then I went up to Nike and I started at first two years at Nike were in, in apparel, but my notes here, remember the hustle. So I was always had the hustle on the side was always with either somebody in the company or somebody close to the company or somebody way away from the company and doing a lot of different things. So whether it was video editing or music production, being a second guitarist or a first guitarist and something and recording. So there's always like all this stuff. And then um, I got into footwear uh, just by chance. Uh, uh, Tinker hired me into footwear, stole me from apparel. And then I stole my Mac with me when I left and I became footwear guy. And, and then I got into innovation and uh, innovation became creative direction. So that was the next chapter. And then the, ne the final chapter, the uh, final chapter uh, was management at going into Jordan, um, which was a trip. That's where we we worked together. We're, we're going to talk um, about that. We're going to talk you know, about that. Can't wait. To, I'm sure you remember it better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've scrubbed some of that stuff out. It was a blast. <laughs> um, and then and then kind of back to innovation, not back, but forward to innovation, which was management, get that under my belt, all the no tools. And then so, you know, management in Jordan and then uh, kind of finishing out the the Nike career in uh, in in innovation and and really what I felt I I really needed to kind of return to. So that's those are my four chapters. Um but the hustle kind of the side hustle was always like my thing cuz for a while my my business card just said Smitty, what do you need? And that was it, you know, and it was like uh wow, we just get stuff done, you know, just Listen, get Listen, the the business card that you just mentioned is so you. I've never received one of your business cards but knowing you and seeing you that literally is yeah. your business card you get things done and you have literally played an integral part i mean in shaping uh footwear culture and i witnessed it firsthand in the early part of your career um to some of your more recent achievements even like creating the nba michael jordan mvp trophy which is cr incredible and we're gonna <laughs> get to that soon enough. But throughout this journey, you know, I can say that you not only represented what I feel is a culture of uh, evolution with all that you put your hands on, but also a culture of consistency. And the consistency showed up in your efforts of delivering excellence um, and then even your persona, I think, in remaining super humble, as people are seeing or feeling already, kind, super down to earth, and all the things. And, and for that, I wanted to take a moment just to applaud you, firstly. Thank you. That. I appreciate that. Right. And, and I feel like we, we connect on that, too, because you're you're looking in right in the mirror. Uh, same thing. I mean, I, I would I would use those same adjectives, uh, descriptives for you. And I think that's why we got along great. <laughs> yes. Yes. The brotherhood. And Thanks so the no one kind of thing. <laughs> that part. And to appreciate and to appreciate. So footwear obviously plays a significant role in shaping culture as we know it. And with, with all that you've had your hands on over the years, 
was there ever like a particular moment uh, where you realized just how big and instrumental this footwear culture was to overall culture as we know it today? Um, it's strange. There were a few moments that hit me uh, between the eyes. Okay. One of them uh, was, and, and I didn't, this was more of a personal professional piece. Um, it didn't occur to me how much of a reach the work I would do mm. would actually show up in the world. Mm -hmm. you know, you're sitting there, you're doing some work, and then you hand it off, and then it, there's another project, and another one, another one. Pretty soon it's like, you know, it's the factory, and you just, it's just going down the road. But my first trip to Europe uh, with Nike, um, I remember walking down the street and just seeing the logo I did. It was the Force logo, and it was on a pair of bright, uh, 1990, you know, I don't know, I don't know what they were, but they were cool. And then it was like a logo, and it's walking toward me on the streets. And I just thought, it just flipped me out. So that, that was like a personal piece. Like, wow, I did that. It came out of my head. It's on product that's walking to me. And I have an unexpected reaction to that. It was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah. Really cool. Um, but if you and they were playing basketball. They were playing basketball. When and they were, they were not playing basketball. They were walking on the street. There you go. So I didn't, it didn't, it didn't, to me, I kind of was easier with understanding because it was never a hoop. I never played basketball. I think there's five guys on the court. I don't even follow. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, man. Um, but the idea was, was I knew that they were, we were branding to me. That was yeah. a natural branding yep. for the, yep. and it was a branding. It was within category and now it became its own thing. And it was really wild to see it kind of walking down the street, not on a basketball court. I thought, okay, there's something going on there. The next one for me was probably 12 or 13 years later when we launched, uh, we launched the laser stuff. And that was not really, that was, that was when it felt very personal because that was not only just at the logo that was on somebody else's product, it was there's stuff going on in that product. It wasn't just lasering and it was graphics and it was working with my friends, the brotherhood in line. And it was being able to actually take it and put it out in the world, not just behind the closed doors and innovation. Right, right. And, uh, and it was well-received. It wasn't just like, and for me, it was like, you know, this is just, I'm doing some stuff. I'm trying it out. And of all the laser shoes I've ever done, the ones we launched, I loved all the ones that my friends were doing because I was spending more time working with them on my own stuff. I'm like looking at my going, and those are nice. Okay. But look at, look at Chris Lundy's. Oh my God. Look, oh, look at Maze's stuff. Oh, that's incredible. Right. Anyway. So that's, those are the two big ones when I felt like, okay, that's kind of a little shift, but it was big for me. And then yep. a huge shift where we, we actually launched something and it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like a culture around it. People used no, to have no. point. Well, well, that's that's the beauty of certain cultures that there's these seeds that people plant, right? Because I, I always make the correlation to like a farmer. Absolutely. And, you know, it's how these seeds are watered that then blossom into these amazing things. Absolutely. And you had a number of seeds that came from very authentic places yeah. that then blossomed into so much more, probably because they were so authentic and true to what they are. And it allowed people and individuals to turn them into what they then became, which was something way bigger than what... It wasn't in the brief. And there was no brief. There, I mean, there there was, nobody was saying, hey, this is what we want. And it's like, no, no, no. It was like, we're messing around with some machines and we're trying some stuff out. Yeah. And then we, somebody came into the office and was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yep. Can we make a bunch? And I was like, 
sure. I, I don't know. Let's. <laughs> well, you know, this is so funny because it takes me back to, you know, I remember meeting you in like 92, I believe, was the year when we first met when Betsy connected us. Um, I have that video still. <laughs> oh my gosh. That would be legendary. Uh, that would be legendary. And I used to literally take you around yeah. New York City yeah. to different neighborhoods. Um, and I think at that time you were working on the Air Raid, which again, the brief of just an outdoor basketball shoot, but we'll talk about how these things then become way more than that. Yeah. Um, and you were looking to get insights from consumers, yeah. which- Because what am I going to learn about that in Beaverton, Oregon? Oh, that, that's, a whole, that's a whole other conversation. You're absolutely right. Um, yep. And I, I think that then led into your design work on the Jordan 8, which has very similar design language with the Strat. No, I, I didn't do anything on the 8. You I didn't I do anything started on the outsole on the 9. The 9 on was the nine. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. No, it was just the outsole, but yeah. I mean, it was all in that same time. The Raid had the straps and the Jordan. And that's it right. Was a good that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Here goes your humble nature, making sure it's very clear on exactly. I, I, I want to be yeah. No, I love it. I love it. And yeah. so I, I remember you would always ask some very, very specific questions, you know, on what we thought. And, and honestly, I was a little surprised at how you would really take the feedback and insight, you know, into account when finishing product, which kind of blew me away. And I feel like there's like a, a serious discipline that one needs to have to know what information or feedback is actually for the betterment of what's being created, as opposed to defaulting to what I call the, I'm the designer with the vision, so it's gonna be what I say it should be, right? <laughs> what What's that discipline? What is that yeah. discipline? Uh, I think I got that discipline, that specific discipline through my advertising. And I got really very heavily into um, understanding how to edit and edit. Editing is a huge part of advertising. You don't, it's so weird because in, in advertising, as well as product design, as well as anything, it's like, I want everybody to know everything about everything that this thing has to offer, yeah. right? This isn't a phone. It's a computer, but you call it a phone. So I'm going to call it a phone. What do you call it? You call it a phone. So, okay, I'm going to call, I'm not going to try and convince everybody else. It's a whole different thing. I'm trying. So for me, it was, how do I take the information that everybody has, compile it, put it on the table and then start weeding through the ones. And just, it's a, it's a forced ranking of priorities. And when I would listen to you, I remember specifically really listening to you guys was really about uh, uh, making a difference, understanding the culture that was there, the the basketball culture. And this is new to me, man. This is, I'm a surf kid, barefoot uh, from yeah, California, bro. trying to learn it from, but you guys had the insights and I just needed to take and force rank them and the yeah. highest, to the lowest and, and lowest is not always the lowest. It's just not as important. And I just kept going through the forced ranking and going, well, if I hit one or two of these things and those are the key ones, they see that when, whether, whether it's you or whether it's an athlete or a celebrity, as long as they see that in the design, A, I'm listening, I'm doing my job or, or else I'm just wasting my time going out there and saying, I got all the answers, um, which I don't, I, I have very few answers. I, I mean, I still have very, very few answers. I most likely to sit down and let the whole room go off. And find out where everybody's at yeah. now. I go, okay, if you've ever seen my sketchbooks, there's a mix of what I'm thinking, what they're saying, and you know, then it comes out. But it was 
it was it, it really the the the, the what you, to answer your question directly that comes from advertising for me yeah but I, I also think there's a superpower that you were teeing up and it's it's one of being able to listen to be informed to then respond or take action based off I think we we're, we live in such a society where so many are not as open to being informed because they feel as if one, they have all the answers or should. And then two, they feel that if they take it from somewhere else, it discredits them. They're not good enough or they don't have the answers where none of us have all the answers all the time. It takes listening and That's taking it. from all these different places and people to then have the answers. That's the beauty of a, a community, which we all are. And so you you have a very distinct superpower of being able to do that at all levels. You did that with me as a, a teenager and you now do it in every facet of your artistic output. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I take that as a compliment, especially coming from you, because I think you get a critical eye. And I do recall us working together in that level. I will also say, in addition to honing that, because there were plenty of times, and I'm sure you were in them, where I would just blurt this shit out and be <laughs> like, uh, so that's where he's at. Huh? Okay, yeah. I'm not sure I'm there with that, but we'll figure it out. But uh, that needs to happen, though. That's okay. Yeah, it's okay to be wrong. I've never been afraid to be wrong. That's the other thing. It's like I've never been afraid to go in and be the like idiot in the room because I'm pretty used to the jester, <laughs> the, the jester position in the room. Right. Um, usually, right. there's some truth to my shitty joke or my excuse my language. By the way, I'm just uh, no, you're good. Right? Um, but the idea, but the second part, not only from advertising, but this comes from my music, working with music musicians and bands is you got to listen to what everybody else is doing in the band, no matter Dang. what, whether it's like bass or drums or guitar. Dude, there's a, it, it's mm. a team. It's a team. And if all I'm doing is my thing, man, there's no room for anybody else. And you got to let the, the it, it's just teamwork. It's just, I love that. It's the band. Oh yeah. The, yeah. Like the worst is being like a really good drummer who just is like the worst the song. I, I didn't commit for a drum solo. I'm going to hear about got chops but you know good enough but anyway yeah listening is a big part of it i love that analogy to the band man yeah you gotta be i mean i'm not a solo act uh when i paint i'm a solo act i, I don't care uh when i'm working with people i get more energy out of working with people than i do on my own that's why i really enjoy collaborating yeah i'm, I'm curious about other people's input i'm a curious cat by nature who wants to learn from you and from anybody else because I, I i need that dopamine of that hit like uh, i didn't know right. that 10 minutes ago what can i do with that and and wow how can i go learn more about that and i just find the world to be super fascinating and coming upon you know characters like you and other people who have so much to offer and do and are connected in different places i feel like the network just gets better instead of me having all the answers. No, and, and it's so evident in all the things that you've done. Um, and I think it's a great segue when I think about when you did the Entourage Air Force One, right? And for those that are not familiar, Entourage is a huge, great show. Um, <laughs> and if you're not familiar, feel free to look these Air Force Ones up. I because loved I that show at that time, but it, this, it, 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 it may not... It may not translate as well now. Just just go in open-minded. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But context, we're going to give the context. Yeah. And yeah. I, I believe it might be one of still one of the most sought-after Air Force Ones to date. 
right? Um, and it was uh, done at a very, very critical point, I say, of footwear culture history, and I'll talk about that. Sure. And the reason why I say that, because it was at that point that the Air Force One was probably one of the largest footwear businesses in the market. Yeah. In the market. Absolutely. But it was also still very, very protected from becoming mainstream or appropriated, right? Yeah. And the version that you did actually punched through in what many would say was a mainstream platform, but it didn't come at the expense of Air Force One cultural loyalists feeling like it was being mishandled or appropriated, right? I actually feel like it gave it another dimension of how far it could stretch across multiple worlds or environments. Did you ever have a concern um, or worry when the model of choice was the Air Force One, given all of that at that time? <clears throat> no, I I felt my job was different than to, my job was definitely unique to having that per perception because it, A, it was coming from, uh, it was in a script. So it wasn't internal Nike saying, let's do something from a business standpoint. This right. was an external script from Hollywood came through the, the entertainment division and they handed me the script and said, what do you think? And I just went, I could, I, I, I could see in my head immediately what it was. And it didn't matter to me at that point. It did not matter to me what the platform was. I just knew how I was going to do what I was going to do. And it was going to be in two phases and the first phase. And I do take things way too far. Like I know I went beyond, um, they didn't ask for all this, but I, went to the point of creating the artist and his signature style and a website. And I did a, I did a, a show gallery downtown and did all this stuff. Like it was like a real deal. So that when people, and this was the kind of beginning ish of internet kind of stuff when people yeah. could start searching. Yep. Which is weird to say, you know, like Google. It's very I mean, weird to say that, right? Like was at the beginning of the internet, like, damn, are you guys ancestral? But I was, you know, like, no, get it, get it. Yeah, it, was, it was really weird. I just figured let's do this so that it's authentic so that you yep. cannot tell because, because if you're watching that show and if you're, if your uh, viewers are checking it out back then, you couldn't tell what was real and what was made up on the show because mm -hmm. it was right. following, it was essentially, you know, it, anyway, so built all that. Had it in my mind, didn't care what the plat didn't care what the product was. They could have said Cortez, they could have said Jordan, they could have they could have said the next shoe that was on. I was interested on why they picked the Air Jordan, uh, the right. Air Force, but not to the point of like asking or challenging it at all. That was not my job. My job was deliver what looks like a ten thousand dollar gift, you know. And by the time we delivered it, you know, they said, shit, we should have rewritten it as a $20,000 gift. And I was like, yeah, I'm winning. <laughs> I love they, that. Looked, I was... they looked awesome. I thought they looked was fine. Awesome. So was, was the why, so what was their why for the Air Force One? Do you remember? No, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't have okay. any recollection as to the choices or why. I just remember reading the script and going, I, I get it. I know what we need. You know, I know what we need to do. That's dope. That's dope. So, you know, I, I, I talk about this culture of evolution with you. Um, and when I look at all you've done within the footwear industry and then all the other amazing things you've designed, and I'm just going to name a few, uh, the Sincoro tequila bottle, which is beautiful. Thank you. Um, part of MJ's golf course in Florida, which cheese, hello. Uh, and then this MVP trophy for the NBA, which is now the Michael Jordan MVP trophy. Um, and we can go on and on and on. 
you, you often talk about being excited when designing to be the first, the best, or the only, right? And is there one that for you brings out the most sense of accomplishment or gratification or impact? Great question. Really, really hard because each project presents its own set of criteria. Um, but for me, they all have to land in that first best only. Um, and that comes back to the one. I, like we can talk about everything, but like for me, the inspiration behind something is more as an artist than creating the one versus millions. I love the idea of having something or giving somebody something that is specific to them and is their personal. They look at it and they, there's this different thing than if everybody else has it. <clears throat> so I'm always looking at it. Am I going to, am, especially with them, anything MJ at that level of expectation, refinement, you know, is his eye. And I mean, people just think, oh, he just puts a logo on it and said, no, he's far from it. So far from it created the game it's just yeah. like <laughs> and and uh so for me it's like the first always is the like if i'm the, it, it can't just be another <laughs> for me first best only is is a really good moniker and i'm but i'm always looking at the one and going okay if the one is great and i've landed all the parts that need into it whether it's the bottle i don't decorate you know i don't decorate i'll tell a story and it might look like a cool graphic or a cool pattern but look into that pattern because it's not just something off the shelf. Like it's going to be, it's going to tell a story. And I like to think that there's room for the first in any category to do something new and different. So I want to be the first. Um, secondly is best. That's really hard because you know how best is very different. Subjective. Very subjective. Very subjective. Very subjective. But if people recognize something as the best, I think that's a great goal. Um, if you can hit one, that's great. If you can hit first and best, great. But if you're the only one that can do it or you're the only thing on the shelf or the only, you're unique. And unique is different than different. <laughs> and so uh, I'm always going to look to see if, are we the first, best, and only to do this? And if, if I'm just not happy until all three of those are, are like checked off. I love it. So how what was the checking of the box exercise with this MVP trophy that you created? Um. First off, I had to just kind of like come to grips with it for a second because yeah. the, the, the the text and then the phone call, the, the the FaceTime, and then like sitting back and I look at my notes and I had done some sketches and I'm going, okay, I've seen every trophy. I, I've got to do research. And like, okay, and a week later, I've seen every trophy that's ever been made. And I'm going, how do you, what do you do that's new and different here? And it's really simple. You just got to go to the man and go, okay, what am I, what am I pulling out from your story? And it was really <laughs> interesting because everybody expected it to be Michael Jordan in a you know, jump man pose. You can't just write. Everybody's like, why didn't you put the Jordan three on the bottom of his face? Like, are you kidding me? You can't even, you can't even like telegraph toward footwear that this is a different thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, what was the question? No. So what, when doing this trophy, yeah, How yeah. did you check the box on the first, the best, and the only? I knew that there was only going to be one trophy. So there's a couple things. There's only going to be one trophy that was going to, if you looked at it without anything, was going to represent the ultimate achievement. And that was going to be this, for me, anatomy-wise, the longest, deepest stretch between one toe and one finger. 
and that's like as far as you can reach. And I said, okay, if we can land that. And your basketball buffs will understand if you look at the pose, if you look at the body, it, there's some elements to it that may be recognizable to other players. Yeah. Um, look at it in the mirror. Just going to say that. Wow, look if, at that gem. If you turn it around and you look, but MJ was very specific. This is not me. Nobody's putting me on their shelf. They're winning this award for themselves. I want this. They want to, they need to be able to see themselves in this award. It's like, that's how cool is that? This isn't like, this isn't that like, it's got to look like me and it's got to be me pose. This is a very different thing. First time. Okay. Check. All um, right. Best was, oh, MVP is the best. Okay. Check. Got well, it. We kind of, and then the only one, and I'd say, okay, here's, here's where you go only. Tell the story of the circle, the basketball, the world, no beginning, no end, blah, blah, blah. Go up to five points. He won five, 15 degree angle. There's only one. So you start putting these elements together. It's 23.6 inches tall. It's weighs 23.6 pounds. It wow. has a six sided, you know, nameplate. As soon as you start putting those things together into storytelling elements that are right in front of you, but you may not know, then you can be the only one. You can be the only one that's going to do that and look like that. Whereas other people's stats and other people's inf information would create a very different looking trophy. And if they're right. check, 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 got those, got those. Now it's just, now it's just gotta be beautiful. <laughs> it's just gotta be something that MJ just wants and is, that's pretty cool. So that's, that's kind of, that's no, cool. the levels of storytelling and depth, it's, it's beautiful to hear it broken down from There's you. There's a few more in there. There's a few that nobody will ever, ever, Hundreds of years, they'll never know. They'll find a little piece of something and then go, oh. I, I, but, you know, I think we've always coveted those hidden discoveries. That That's always been some of the beauty in the things we've been able to work on is that level of hidden discovery that's not the secondary or tertiary element, but it might be the thing after that that somebody finds out, like you said, five, ten years later, like, oh, my gosh, do you see what they just did here? You're old enough. You're young enough to but you had a record collection at one point. Yes, absolutely. Probably still do. You know what? I think mom threw them out, unfortunately. Oh, Can you believe I'm saying this out loud? That's <laughs> okay. Love mom. Call her today. Tell her you love her. Yes, so, I will. So uh, the main thing on that was, as a kid growing up, records. You open it up, or you look at it, you pull the thing out, and you're listening to it, and you're just just taking in as much as the photos and the words and the drawings and all the details. I always thought that was the coolest because... You'd see something that either did or didn't correlate to a song, and you're like, "Oh, I wonder if that's it." There's no internet thing. You then now you're like putting these things together in your head. I love discovery. I just loved finding out stuff. It's right there in plain sight. They call it hiding in plain sight. So finding stuff is everybody wants to discover something. And what's the first thing you do when you discover it? Hey, look what I found! Also, and then you share. You sh sharing is caring. Culture. It's like sharing is caring. You are handing it over to somebody, and you're going, "Check this out. Why does it look like that?" Well, because of this and that, I just thought that was fun. It was more fun than just like pulling it off the thing, putting it on my feet. So in in the realm of discovery, what does a creative rut look like for you? A have creative you what? Rut. Like, have you ever been in a creative rut? Like, and what do you do to get out of it? Well, number one, with your job, you cannot afford to be in a creative rut. You will answer it. You've got deadlines and budgets. Right. So right. You, I right. don't feel like creating today. Wake up, right. get your job, and do it. Right. However, I'm fortunate enough to say that I have enough disciplines where I've found that 
if I'm not feeling inspired or creative in drawing, I know I can go to the guitar and I can strum and something. So thought, it'll unlock something or I can yeah. go hit the drums or I can go sit and make a weird movie of some sort. And at first it bothered me when I was younger. Like, Did I lose it? Is, is it ever coming back? And then I realized if I just cycle through those different disciplines or if I just break my thinking about it, the long shower with water in the back of my neck, the, uh, the answers are there. So it's a step away. The worst step thing you do is go, I'm sorry. It's a step away. Step away for a second. You have to, you have to, you get into this like really narrow, tightly focused thing and all the answers are out here. They're rarely right here. So you do when you step back, there it is. Yeah, totally. I love that. So we, the full circle moment, you know, where we had the opportunity to actually work together as you were talking about earlier, as colleagues um, on the leadership team for Jordan, where I was heading up footwear at that time, and then you were heading up design. And it was a very interesting culture at that time at the brand. Um, but I remember you and I being super, super optimistic about how we could kind of evolve something that was already great and, yeah. and, and take to new heights. Now, we didn't necessarily accomplish all that we sit out to do. A laundry list. Yeah. I'm sure you're was too. I can't wait to get in there. We got these other things to do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But but I do wonder, what did you learn from that experience in that role? Man. Number one, it was fun. And it, and I remember coming home and, and telling Val, I was like, guess who I'm wearing? Like, who went across the table from Aster? And she's like, what? You guys, like, he's way too young for you guys to be hanging out together <laughs> around a table. He's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, super fun. I, I learned, uh, a lot about the design process, oh. the creative process, the innovation process <clears throat> from the business standpoint. I keep saying Jordan for me was a PhD in business <laughs> and, uh, all the great mistakes and terrible mistakes I made coming in, um, uh, I, I ended up learning more and taking all that stuff, resolving some of that stuff and taking it back in my quiver uh, to innovation and saying, there is a really good time and a really bad time to present innovation. It's yeah, not right. when is it ready or when is it done? It's when That's is right. business ready to accept it. It's times yeah. on the calendar, there's seasons. You can't just go sliced bread and you got to put it in and you didn't no no there's 18 months of and two years of stuff so you really to me it was really finding out how all the different business units and different disciplines of the business really work together um whereas before that it was I, you know it was very much a solo flyer and just do something and everybody would go oh cool let's do something with small numbers but but business is business that's a billion dollar company you can't just make 20 well you can't but yeah. uh, not for not for uh, growth of the company, which is what we were talking about. So Learn right. a lot about other disciplines and how to work with them. I think that was yeah, that and was timing. Cool. You know, timing, timing timing is everything. Everything. I mean, I'd ask you the same thing. Like, what did you what what did you get out of that experience for for your? Great question. I like how you switch you you flip the tables there. I think for me, a couple things. I, I learned that you know change is constant and not all are open to change at the same time. So a little bit of yeah. the timing, right? And I say that because, and I know for me, there was somewhat of a label of, oh, well, this is the Nike guy coming over and trying to change things up, right? 
where it was more so of, I already knew this place was great. I'm just trying to help it be even greater. And while that wasn't embraced by many, um, it was embraced by some at that time. But what I also learned later on down the line is that there was a definite fond appreciation for many who saw it happening or were part of it happening initially and then saw later the benefit or the things that were being presented at that time as being valuable. And, and they were very grateful of it, right? But they didn't witness or see it at that time when it was happening. But later on, they realized, wow, okay, I get it now. So, so, so for me, that was a great learning. I think another learning was, you know, the, the, the sensitivities to how one needs to indoctrinate themselves into certain areas, communities, and cultures. Look at that, <laughs> right? I had to, I, I got a lesson on how to really be sensitive on how to really indoctrinate myself within a culture that was already very, very established. Absolutely. Right? Very established. And while I had the best of intentions, you know, for all, it might not have been the right timing or yeah. the right way in yeah. which to indoctrinate oneself. So, it, it, dude, let me tell you something. The, the growth that I got from that experience um, <laughs> was tremendous. It was great. Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a great learning, a great learning that came with a number of bumps in the road, but I'm sure you can attest to this. The bumps are necessary for growth. You know, I, I tell people now, in in all things, welcome adversity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look at welcome. it as an opportunity. Look at it as a way to break through something. Look at it as okay, it's a hurdle. It's not like a stop or you go yep. around or something. Yeah, oh, I I I echo everything you said there. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I had a story for everything you were just shooting off there. I'm like, yeah, right there with you. I had a few. Uh, I will say. Bull in a china shop doesn't work all the time, especially. Yeah, there you go. There was, you my, go. was my ammo mostly. So. Yeah. So it's a, it was a great learning. So back to from a design standpoint, what's the most rewarding part of your design's journey? Or, or and or, you know what, talking about adversity, the, the most challenging part of the design process and journey. Um, you know, sometimes clients can be can be not not the most um. Yeah, there's some. There can be some challenges with certain clients. Let's put yes. it that. Way. Uh, I've been super, super fortunate to gain a lot of trust and um, word of mouth um, from and and recognition <clears throat> as being somebody who does listen and somebody who's not just there to push their agenda. Yep, is there to really work for both sides. Um, and but the harder ones are when you really do have the answer and you are the I am. I do know what is best from a design You're the expert standpoint. in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, ex yeah, okay, expert. I'll go with you on that. If more experienced than- more Okay. Yeah. This, this is your humble nature coming out, by the way, right now. This is what I talked about in the beginning. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Um, uh, <laughs> but, the, but the idea is that, uh, but again, it's for their company. They're the ones who know. Right. So my yeah, the balance to, to Ken many times, and as a creative, there's a certain emotional struggle yeah. No, but I've found regardless every time but and land on a better thing having gone through the struggle. Maybe yeah. they didn't like it, maybe they but at the end it's just better because having had to deal with that adversity. Like you said, welcome it, bring it on. Yeah. Like at this point I'm like I'm the quickest to change direction. If there's a no or there's like a okay, great, moving on. 
that we don't need to look. Well, maybe if we take, no, 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 we're moving on. Right. <laughs> like it's right. easy to let go of that. Uh, I think it's an opportunity. And I think, again, look, man, we're just doing stuff that people want. This is not stuff people need to me. Like this is man. so fortunate to be able to do things that like people look at and go, I'll pay money for that. Or I'd love to trade you for something like that versus having to go in a hospital and go, I need this thing cut out of my head or, yeah. you know, like put my arm back on. Like those are two, like two different worlds that are totally. That's right. I keep saying we're lucky to do things that people want not have to have. So. Yeah, I remember the saying, we used to always say, hey, look, let's remember, we're only making, we make shoes and t-shirts, right? Remember that? That was my t-shirt. I think I wore it in a couple of them. It's just that they're just shoes and that, like, you get a lot of thumbs up, like, Phil Knight, thumbs up. A lot of people in business, whoa, you know, that's, wait, defaming the brand? I'm like, no, man, but just, they are. Just, context. You know? Like, context. Context. Absolutely. Absolutely. But where would you be without shoes? I would be so uncomfortable, but I'm a barefoot guy all the time anyway, but I got right. it. It's so. So, so with that, let me ask you, who do you think or what do you think has had the largest impact on shaping footwear culture? And is there, was there ever like a, a lightning in a bottle product moment for you? So, so this is a, this is a tough one. And I, I wrote this, I did need to write this down and said, I do not know the state of footwear design and culture and how it's played a role in shaping the overall culture as we know. I do not know. Okay. My job was to do cool stuff with performance product. Yep. And my job was then we would do different things for with existing product. And I feel yeah. like that's like the collector stuff. So yep. the difference between doing a basketball shoe on court and doing something that would pop off the shelf is different than doing a collectible that you're only going to do a hundred of or one of. Right. And I always felt like, to me, it was really important to understand the difference between those two. Yep. Uh, many times people felt like, well, I would change the, you know, a shoe drop would come and you'd hit, you know, all the haters and I never cared either side. Like if you loved it or you hated it, like we knew we were doing the right thing. The, the biggest ingredient in that I think is who has, who's in the position to bring all those elements together in order to affect the next step of whatever culture that is. I don't have an understanding of the footwear culture. I have, I'm so clueless. Right. I don't know the business now. I've been out of, uh, I didn't retire. I just don't go to Nike anymore. Um, it, it's just, uh, uh, and I still love like Nike. We have a great relationship yeah. and I will all be, I still bleed orange. You know that, um, uh -huh. orange out of this arm, Carolina blue out of that one. Th th there you go. There you go. Um, but the idea that, uh, bringing those elements together, I think it's up to the people who have the ability to bring those elements together to do something that's meaningful, not just another thing. I think that goes down to your three, you know, what are the three seeds thing? Yeah. Um, I'll get to those in a second. But to me, the, the seed and water piece is just as important as who's running it as, as to, and, and their vision, their temerity and keeping the business part of it going because they have to balance all those parts and pieces. Um, so I think it comes down to who, and, and what is the thing that makes it different and the difference between calling yourself a collaborator and a designer. Mm -hmm. and I'm sure we've had this conversation a couple of times, people going, I designed this Air Jordan 1. And I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> Bruce Kilgore did the Air Jordan 1. You did a very cool thing with it. Right. And the colors that tell a story and materials, but you did not design that. Yeah. And I feel like people who understand the difference between those two Especially with footwear, but with anything, right. cars, airplanes, boats, 
uh, buildings, artwork, posters, communication, music, film. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you can. I, I think it comes down to who can to who can pull those pieces off and make a difference. I think they're I the ones shaping the culture. Are, are you inspired by others outside of your own industry or industry? Because you tap so many. Is there any one or thing that inspires you greatly? A film. Yeah. And okay, I shouldn't say film. I should say great movies and terrible movies. I have like this love for bad stuff and good stuff because I feel like I'll fall somewhere in between. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, I love I love good movies. Like I will sit and watch a movie, and my latest again, no, I'm old, but like Godfather and Godfather Two, I will just sit there and watch that over and over and over and just look at every different. So I'm inspired by. The story behind it, how it was yep. made, how it was written, how it was produced, how it was shot, who was in there. I love all this. Stuff. That stuff really inspires me. Love music. I'm a huge snarky puppy fan because of the history of jazz and how it's not jazz and what it has taken it to. I don't know if you've checked those guys out, but get ready for some like great brain music. And it just hits you in hard because it has every influence. Anybody nice. that's got like, multiple influences, they inspire me. Um, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that music plays such a key role because ever since I've known you, music was a significant part of your DNA. I mean, I think I've even gone, you've performed and I've gone to see you perform. And so I I know that this is one of your releases and that's, that's probably why you were then excelling so much in the space that you do because you have these different outlets and areas in which to tap into. I think I think music brings, well, thanks for recognizing that, by the way, because I'm very proud of that. Number two, um, I think music does a really good job of bringing together multiple disciplines. You can speak about music in the same terms, verbal terms and linguistic terms as you can any of the other disciplines. In fact, you can speak about architecture in the same way you speak about music. But music has this almost indefinable it's intangible number one so i love it you can't touch it, it can't feel. it's momentary the song starts and goes and then it's done and it doesn't ex- it actually doesn't exist you can't like a film you can turn it on you can stop it you can watch you can look at that one frame how it was laid out the lighting the set the blah, blah, blah. music is just this really interesting intangible so if i can put a product on the table or a logo or environment and I can see or hear or feel music in that, then it's got rhythm, it's got, uh, it has counterpoint, there's that dynamic counterpoint. Like there's all the parts and pieces. I don't know if that makes sense, but like you put a thing and you look at it, I can hear the music that goes, I just, to me, music is a, is a center, center point for everything. I love it. Do you, with all this, do, do you know your why? Do you know your yes. why? Wow. Definitive. What's your why, Smitty? Well, for the next four minutes, it's... <laughs> My why has always been just like make people laugh and smile. I love to make people smile. So to me, my why is like... And it's not easy to find that and it takes a long time to find like what... It, why am I doing this? It's like paying bills and bringing up kids and taking a few minutes for myself. The why is like, why am I... At the end of the day for me, it's just... If I can make a person smile with a design or a graphic or a joke or a piece of music or something, um, then then I'm I'm okay. I have a pretty low bar. Uh, if I can make them smile, if I can make them laugh, then I then I'm like okay, I can 
I can go have a beer for at the end of the day. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's a that's an awesome, genuine why because it's something that you're, you're looking to bring joy to other people. Yeah, it's important. I think it's important, especially in what we do, um, to be grounded in yep. what it is that you have to offer. And I feel like I have more than just the final thing at the end. Uh, it and it and it's helped uh, because there are certain people who enjoy smiling, and laughing, and certain people don't. Maybe they don't yep. vibe on the same frequency with that humor. That's okay. Yep. But uh, yeah, to me, I think that's that's the one. I, I know I I know I've landed when I make my mom smile. That's awesome. That's like it's almost like the uh, you know that's my that's my job. I love it. So, like I said, and like you said, we we talk at the beginning about this notion or How about the, you. What's your why? What's your why? Oh, my, my why is to be an agent of hope. Um, and to help unlock greatness in all people. I think every one of us, actually, I'm going to tap into your music thing. I think every one of us has a song that should be played. Yeah. And unfortunately, many of us go throughout life and people never hear our song for whatever circumstance. So my goal and my why is ensuring that I'm creating spaces of hope so that everybody's song can be played. Love it. Wow, that's really great. I wish yeah. I'd have thought of it. <laughs> You can, you can share that one. You can share that. Sh sharing is caring. Sharing is That's caring. what this whole platform is about. And yep. and that leads us to, you know, we talk about seeds being watered. And I'd love for you to share what are three seeds that you would want to leave with, you know, stewards of culture moving forward? What are those three things? So uh, the first is very global. Um, to me, the second is very personal. It's like the first one is as wide out as you can possibly go. Okay. The second one is as close in as you can possibly be. And then the third is really uh, the culmination of the two. And I use them on my, I use them for uh, self-guidance or uh, just a, just a general track. The first one is, is choose love. Mm. You have a choice and I'm, and and it, and this is Val. This is Val. She did T-shirts a couple of years ago, and I'm just I'm just caring. I'm sharing. You know, I'm taking. It. But she I came up it. with it. Um, uh, choose love. You, there's so many choices in the day around business, around culture, and around each other. But if you go into and if I go into a situation with my eyes and heart open, um, to to connecting with somebody in, on anything, uh. Love's going to get us there. So that's yeah. number one. Um, and that's global. Number two is uh, know your motivation. Um, for me, motivation is like, why am I doing this? It's not my why. It's why am I doing this? And this is this is my motivation. The reason I'm doing this is hey, I want to make a difference or I want to do the first, best, or only thing. And I, I'm, I'm innately tuned to... Uh, um, understand what that motivation is, whether it's for a project or a meeting or a person or a time. Um, yeah. I, just, I just need to know why am I doing this thing? <clears throat> and then the third one is, is if you can find that one inside yourself, or if I can find that inside myself, I never tell people what to do. It works for me. And I can find the, the, the love in it. Then, then I can, then I can at least get closer to making a difference. I, I think you have to make a difference. Don't, it's so hard to make a difference. It's yeah. so hard 
with all the shit that stuff that's out there, all the options and choices. It's really hard. It's a great thick forest. Uh, keep, find the space between the trees. Don't be just another tree. You'll find it, you'll plant it, and you'll grow it. Um, but make a difference in it. And I think if you if if uh, I I just say those are the three success profiles for for um, pretty strong seeds in anything. No, I love it. And and you know when you talked about the forest, you know within that forest there's always these small pockets of light, like you just yeah. mentioned. And and yeah. once once you get closer to those pockets of life, light they actually open up to larger bodies of light. Right. It's it's unknown until you're there, and then you step in it, and it's like warm, and you're like, well, okay, I, 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 I didn't know I was going to be here. You you Man. name, but that one, well, it's great. Well, you know what? I I want to take this opportunity not only to thank you for the time, but I have to thank you for the friendship. Uh, I got to thank you for the support. I got to thank you for the the genuine spirit that God blessed me with um, in you, meeting you years years ago, and our relationship has done nothing but blossomed even more on so many levels. And for that, I want to thank you. Um, love you and your spirit dearly. You're an amazing human being outside of all the amazing things you've done in a worldly sense. You're an amazing, amazing human being. I can't thank you enough. Well, I thank all you. I thank you. It's very, very kind. I appreciate that. The same thing. I'm going to big shout out to Betsy for putting this together in the first time. With the first room, the first time. I mean, Man. that was- Incredible. I love, I love thinking back to that. And uh, I echo and mirror the same thing back to you. You're a warm spirit. Um, whether we had never seen each other in, in, in years and, and in, on the walk across the plaza at, at work or in a meeting room or something, I just always felt like I had a friend. And so yeah. that was the most important thing in your friendship is you and your beautiful family and your kids and the whole thing. I just, Thank you. Um, just the world is a better place, man. That, that you're you, man. And I appreciate what you're doing. So thank you so much for that. Well, I appreciate you for being on here today, man. You are a treasure, bro.